They weren't awake this morning, but uh, they say hello anyhow. And uh, my wife's a little bit uh, ill this morning. We were driving back from Erie yesterday, and she was just getting sicker and sicker and sicker, but she wouldn't let me drive still in the car. She loves to drive cars. She's a good driver, and uh, I didn't mind because I watched some NCAA football on my phone. <laughs> Isn't that amazing how you can do that? Get my Hulu app going on there, and so we're watching some football as we're headed home. But if you think about Debbie, we're talking about prayer today. Pray for Debbie as she heals up, and she can go back to work tomorrow morning as a nurse practitioner up in that area. So I'm going to do two things this morning. I'm going to introduce you to the series real quickly. And then we're going to jump into the first message in the series. First message in the series is on prayer, okay? And we're going to look at these uh, four lifelines uh, that come out of Acts uh, chapter 13, 1 through 3. So I'm going to give you a a little bit of a a brief introduction. I want to start off with a quote that's going to seem a little bit off-center until you get the context of it, okay? Here's the quote. We live in a blizzard... And few of us have a rope. Let's read this out loud together. We live in a blizzard, and few of us have a rope. Now, this doesn't make any sense to you at all. Pete Scazzaro uh, wrote it. He quoted it in his book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, Emotionally Healthy Discipleship. It's in both of those books. But what he was talking about this is historians tell us, especially historians who look into farming in the Midwest, say that in the Midwest in, in times gone past, and there's still some farmers that still do this, they would get ready for the winter months by tying a rope from the barn over to the farmhouse. They would tie a stranded rope there. They would usually guess about the time of year they needed to do it. But here's one of the problems that, that would happen. In the fall, they're bringing in the harvest, and some of the farmers would forget to tie off the rope. The rope from the barn to the farmhouse door. Now, this is important because blizzards, when they come up in, in, the, in the Midwest, they come up suddenly, they stir up quickly, they blind the person. And what, was hap- what would happen is those who forgot to tie off the rope would find themselves just a stone's throw from their front door in the frozen cold, many of them frozen to death there because of the sudden blizzard and they didn't have a rope. Now the quote might make some sense to you. We live in a blizzard, and few of us have a rope, right? Our culture is a blizzard. Right now, your church is going through a time of transition, so it can feel like a blizzard, right? What's going to happen next? What's going to go on next? What's going to take place next? Where do we go next? And everybody in this room probably could come up and devise a different plan for Mount Joy Mennonite Church, right? And if we put all those plans together, it would feel like what? A blizzard. A blizzard of opinions, a blizzard of values, a blizzard of this, that, the other thing. So we live in this blizzard, and few of it has a rope. Fortunately, the early church found itself in a blizzard, but they tied off to a rope, a four-stranded rope that the Lord had given him. It says in Acts 13, among the prophets and teachers in the church at Antioch in Syria were Barnabas, Simeon called the black man, Lucius from Cyrene, and Menaean, the childhood companion of King Herod, Antipas, and Saul. One day these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, and the Holy Spirit said, appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work that I've called them to. So after more fasting and prayer, 
They laid their hands on them, and they sent them on their way. If you look at this passage of Scripture, you'll see they were fast. They were praying. They were fasting. They were worshiping in community. Those are the four lifelines. And when they did that, they were more intimate with the Father, and the Father gave them the next steps and the directions. Anoint these brothers. Send them off to multiply the kingdom. But in this time in the book of Acts, they were starting to experience a blizzard. Amen? They were being persecuted for their faith. The, the, the church had been growing. 5,000 come in one day. Can you imagine that? 5,000 converts in one day. How in the world can we get them through a discipleship class or a membership class? Or get them all baptized? I mean, the, the, the height of the river is rising as we're baptizing all these people, right? And so this is happening, but, but then a persecution comes on the church because they were told what? Jesus said, when you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. See, they were there for Pentecost and they didn't go back home. And so the Lord sends this persecution upon them. He uses the persecution to send them back to where they were from, to be on mission back to their homeland. They weren't to stay there. And so God gives them these four lifelines and gives them this anointing to send them back out. In the blizzard, they took hold of a four-stranded rope. So these are the four strands that we want to talk about uh, the next couple of weeks. The first one is prayer, and that's taking God's hand. And so we'll talk about that today. What does it look like to take God's hand in prayer? And next week, we'll talk about fasting, this exchanging of bread and the things, exchange of desires. And we'll talk about that next week. And uh, then we'll look into worship and worship being a 24-7 lifestyle. That whole idea of enjoying God altogether, which is part of your vision and your mission statement, right? To enjoy God altogether. But it's a 24-7 lifestyle. Worship happens all the time. And then community. What's it look like to have a a group of called out companions? You're called out of this world. They're called out of this world to be on this journey together with Jesus Christ. What's it look like? to have true companionship and fellowship together and community in the body of Christ that helps us. So we'll be coming back to these four lifelines throughout the whole transition time. We'll be calling you back to prayer. We'll be calling you back to to fasting. We'll be calling you back to worship. It's 24-7 lifestyle. And we'll be calling you back to do that in community, to engage in these four lifelines in community. So I want to jump in here to prayer. So when I say the word prayer, what image comes to your mind? Just take a moment for that. When I say the word prayer, what are some of the images that jump into or come to your mind? The early disciples wanted to learn how to pray. And when Jesus taught them how to pray, he gave them this image in their mind our father he gave them this image in their mind our father prayer is taking the hand of the father our father hallowed be thy name when he asked them when they asked how to pray he he didn't give them a uh, lecture on prayer he didn't even take my sermon notes and talk to them at all about prayer He gave them a simple pattern of how to pray. He gave them something they could put in their pocket so they could reach up their hand, and at any time they could take the hand of the Father in prayer. Because prayer is taking the Father's hand. It's lifting up, looking for that rope, looking for the lifeline, and instead of a rope, we find a hand. And we take the Father's hand in prayer. 
Jesus knew how to do it. They knew how to do it. The context of Matthew 6, uh, the context of this passage is Matthew 6, 1 and forward. It, 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 Jesus, or, or, uh, yeah, Jesus says this, Then your Father who sees what you do in secret will reward you. Josh wrote that, read that to us this morning. And so they had seen people doing the three disciplines of a godly person in that day. Three disciplines of a godly person that day were prayer, fasting, and giving to the poor. And that's why Jesus, in this passage, he says, when you pray, don't pray like them. When you give, don't give like them. When you fast, don't fast like them. Go into your closet with your brothers and sisters in the Lord and reach up and take the hand of the Father. Because it's not about impressing others that you pray or you fast or you give to the poor. It's about doing what the Father is doing and joining him in his work. And then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, he will reward you when you pray when you fast when you give when you worship when you engage in community in those ways so i want to talk about this just for a couple of minutes this morning i want to encourage you to take the father's hand and as we go throughout this transitional period i want you to think about this i want you to every time you think about prayer i want you to just kind of look around maybe you're driving your car put one hand up on the wheel and just take that other hand and lift it up stop texting (laughs) with this right hand start reaching up right when you're in the living room in the morning you're reading your bible or you're in your quiet spot in your house wherever your quiet corner is to have your devotional time with god your time alone with god just stop and lift that hand up say father i'm taking your hand when you're together in ladies' Bible study group or in a home group or afterwards when you're talking about the sermon and just chewing me apart in this room. I know you're doing it. <laughs> lift up your hands in prayer. Paul said, I want men everywhere to what, lift up holy hands in prayer. It was a submission. It was a surrender. It was a good thing to take the Father's hand in prayer. So the first thing Jesus says is take the Father's hand. So take the Father's hand. When we do that, we welcome his kingdom. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You can be sure of this. And if you guys can go to that next slide, just jump to that. Prayer links up the temporal with the eternal, the needy with the almighty, the the limited with the limitless one tunnel vision with a grander view prayer is a conversation between the father and his children that connects heaven and earth let's read that out loud together prayer links up the temporal with the eternal the needy with the almighty the limited with the limitless one tunnel vision with a grander view prayer is a conversation between the father and his children that connects heaven and earth i don't know about you but I need a connection with heaven that clears up my view of this earth. Amen? I watch the news. I watch sports. I get on my phone. I do Facebook. I, I, I watch this. I do that. And after a while, I'm kind of overwhelmed with the culture because I'm too focused on the culture. And I don't have my spectacles from heaven on. And when you pray, God says, here you go, child. Get a glimpse of how I see things. 
Bring a little more of heaven to earth through you today. Let the kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it's heaven. Jesus was what? Always bringing the kingdom, wasn't he? Even his closest followers tried to entice him to do it another way. Be a zealot. Take over. When's the kingdom? When are you going to set it up? Who's going to be at your right and left hand? They had it all set up in their mind, how it would be. And Jesus said, no, it won't be like that. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. I am a servant. I will wash the feet of all. I will go to the cross. I will achieve victory for all of mankind to have the ability to come before me and become my found child. And I'm here to bring the kingdom, not to build the empire of Jesus, but the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of my Father and the kingdom of God, and I'm on orders. And guess what? When you accept Jesus as your Savior, you're on orders. Look at the person next to you this morning and say, you're on orders and so am I. Just look at them and say that this morning. We're on orders to bring the kingdom of heaven to bear on this earth through the hope of the world, the church. The church is the hope of the world because we bring Jesus Christ and we bring his kingdom. And you can read all through this book, there's no plan B. There's only a plan A. And the word of God says, that believe it or not, you and I are the manifold wisdom of God to this world. Sometimes, some days that ignites me, some days that scares me. I'm the manifold wisdom. We're the manifold wisdom. Let's say it together. We're the manifold wisdom of God. He uses us together in community. When we're praying, when we're fasting, worshiping, taking a hold of that lifeline. When the kingdom comes, and his will is done. Supernatural things happen. What's it do? It piques the desire of other people when they taste the kingdom, when they see the kingdom, when the kingdom is manifest through us. In this time of transition, it's a great opportunity to renew your grip on the Father's hand. Renew your grip on the Father's hand. I want to encourage you to do that when we pray in this way we bring his kingdom his kingdom comes and his will is done on earth as it is in heaven and guess what else it does it reestablishes the kingdom in me and in you amen when i start praying that way when i stop and say it's not in my hands it's in your hands and i'm taking your hands and i'm submitting to your will then all of a sudden the kingdom comes and gets embedded in me amen and in you, the kingdom of God coming to bless the world through us. Now, I want to ask you a question. With each point, I have a, a little quick check-in. I hope this is okay with you. Um, I want to ask you this question. How important is prayer in your daily routine? Would it be very little, some, often, very often? You know, how important is prayer in your daily routine? Not asking this to meddle, asking this to help out. So very little is I rarely or ever talk with God. I rarely or ever talk with God. Some is I sporadically talk with God. Some of us talk about having devotions. We should call them sporadics, right? 
because they're more sporadic. I mean, there's times in my life, honestly, I, you know, I'm going along and all of a sudden I'm like, man, I haven't read my Bible in three days. I'm sporadic. And then I go back to devotions. I go back to that devoted time and I'm like, oh, I'm enriched by this devoted time. I want to be in this devoted time. But so is it sporadic or whatever? Often I talk with God every day. Or is it very often I consistently talk with God throughout the day? Um, I took this little uh, prompter uh, uh, from a book called A Praying Life by Paul Miller. If you've ever read, it's a terrific book on prayer. Paul Miller wrote a great book on prayer, and he offers some great workshops on it. So I just wanted you to think about that, and I want you to think about if I renewed my commitment to take God's hand in prayer today, God, what would that look like? What are you looking from for me? How could I take my next step in renewing that? Second point I want to talk to you about this morning is take the Father's hand, give thanks for his provision. Give thanks for his provision. Give us this day our daily bread. You know, in our time and age, there's a spirit of entitlement that reigns, right? I mean, the spirit of entitlement just kind of reigns right now in our world. But the spirit of gratefulness is in short supply, isn't it? Even in my own life, I find myself not being that grateful, not being that prayerful, not giving thanks. Jesus said, Always remember that the Father has provided everything that you need. I love it when I go out to breakfast with my 87-year-old friend, Ted. Ted's been a believer since Jesus first came. He was one of Jesus' first followers. (laughs) If you met Ted, you'd think he was, because he loves Jesus. And anytime we go out for breakfast together, right before we say the prayer, He doesn't just say a prayer or ask me to pray. He takes my hands across the table. Ted's got some stories in those hands. He's got the story of when he was building a cabin and this one got cut off with a circular saw. So there's just a nub right here on this finger. But when I take those hands, I know I'm taking the hands of a man I can learn from, a man who can support me, and a man who I can team with in my journey of faith. And I'll usually pray something and then I'll say, Ted, it's your turn, you pray. Because I want to hear what he's praying. I want to know what he's praying. I want to feel what he's praying. I want to think what he's thinking. He's been walking with Jesus a lot longer than me. He's been through a lot more storms in life than me. His spouse has already gone on to be with Jesus, and now he lives on his own. I want to learn from a man like that who's full of joy and still takes my hands and wants to pray with me over breakfast and say, thank you, Jesus, for bacon and eggs. Amen. And then enjoy that breakfast time together. Do you remember that prayer from childhood? Maybe you didn't learn it. I did. God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for our food. By his hands we are fed. Thank you for our daily bread. Amen. Some of you learned a shorter one. Good bread, good meat, good God, let's eat. I like the little bit longer one. Because it reminds us of what Jesus said, God, you're great. God, you're good. Thank you. 
for this food. By your hands we all are fed. Thank you for daily bread. Thank you for daily bread. Give thanks for his provision in your life. In his book, A Praying Life, Paul Miller writes this, Not surprisingly, being unthankful is the first sin to emerge from our ancient rebellion against God. In Romans 12, 2, the Apostle Paul writes, For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. Little checkup. Three questions. Two of them I have on the screen. I added another one this morning as I was updating my notes. Bonus material. Early morning coffee bonus material for you. First question, what pulls you toward prayer? What pulls you into prayer? What pushes you from prayer? And third question is, who helps you pray? I talked about my friend Ted. Who helps you pray? Who's in your corner? Who helps you? Who inspires you? Who, when you hear them pray, or you pray with them? Who says to you, let's pray about that? Who says to you, have you prayed about that? My wife will often say that. I'll lose my keys. I'll lose my phone. I'll lose my sanity if she wasn't around to help me pray for it and find it again. And she'll often say, you know, God cares about finding that stuff that you're looking for. Have you prayed about it? She encourages me to take some of the smallest things in my life where I feel like I need to have a grip on those keys or that phone or that next appointment or whatever and give it to God. Who do you have in your life who encourages you to step in, take God's hand in prayer? Another one of those people is my mother-in-law. Years ago, my mother-in-law, she recycles and goes through things in her house and she was going to get rid of this plate. Do you guys have that? She had this plate in her house. She is from, uh, grew up most of her years in Germany, has a Czechoslovakian and Austrian background, really, but grew up most of her years in Germany and lived in, in Germany. And she was going to get rid of this little plate, and I asked her if I could have it. And then I asked her, what's it say? <laughs> I wasn't really sure what it said. I, I, I thought it had said something about our daily bread, but that's what it says. Give us this day our daily bread. So I hang it in my office wherever I go. It's hanging in my office in there. As I go out, I take my keys or hang my keys up. When I hung my keys up this morning, I had to look right at it. I'm forced to look at it. Because guess what? I forget to be grateful. I forget to be thankful. I forget that all that I've needed, his hand hath provided. Great is his faithfulness. So take his hand, thank him for his faithfulness today and find a friend to do that with find a friend to encourage you to pray take the father's hand extend his forgiveness the next part of the prayer jesus gives him he says and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors jesus tells us that when we pray we allow god's forgiveness to flow to us and through us amen not just to us but through us and jesus was great at that when he hung on the cross he let the forgiveness what flow through him what did he say forgive them father for they know not what they're doing when most people sin against us they don't know exactly what they're doing when they say those things do those things alienate us put us off abandon us treat us differently treat us with disrespect they don't know all of what they're doing so when we 
take our hand, we extend it just as Christ did. And we say, let your forgiveness flow to me and through me. Help me be a forgiver today. But to take God's hand in prayer in forgiveness like that, you're going to have to give up something else you're holding in your hand. There's some unforgiveness. There's somebody else's name written there. There's something they've done written there. There's a past hurt written there, and you hold it tightly. And the only way you get rid of it is when you give it to God in prayer and say, forgive me, forgive them. Let it flow, Jesus. Let it flow. Prayer is a time for forgiveness. It's powerful. Corey Ten Boom was imprisoned for helping Jews escape Nazi Holocaust during World War II. And she saw most of her family killed by the Nazi regime. She was one of the few that lived. She says, forgiveness is the key that unlocks the door of resentment and the handcuffs of hatred. It's the power that breaks the chains of bitterness and the shackles of selfishness. She was a lady who had to learn how to forgive, and she did. And for years, she would come on to the Billy Graham crusade as a testimony of forgiveness. And and Brother Billy Graham would call her onto the stage, and she would give her story. And thousands of people would receive Jesus' forgiveness that night because they saw her as somebody who was hurt deeply but could forgive greatly because of Jesus Christ's supernatural power flowing through her. That can happen with you. And as you lift up your hand to God in prayer, you need to let go. Let go. And let God. Amen? Let him bring his forgiving power in you, on you, and through you. I'll ask you this question this morning, a little check-in question. What do you need to let go of to take the Father's hand? What do you need to let go of? What trespass, what fault, what person, what incident, what recurring thing that happened to you that was perpetrated on you, maybe even as a child, do you need to begin to let go of so you can take his hand? I want us to read this quote together. It's from the book called The Art of Forgiving by Lewis Smedes. It's a great quote. Let's read it out loud together. Forgiveness is setting a prisoner free and discovering that prisoner was you. (laughs) See, when we set the other person free, we're suddenly untethered. We're untethered to the past. We're untethered to that hurt. We're untethered to that pain. And you know how often you need to forgive that person? As often as you start doing this again. Every time you feel like your soul crumbling back up and turning back in into unforgiveness, let it go again and let God again. Say, I forgive him again. I let it go again. Jesus, you paid it all for me. You paid it all for them. I let go and I take your hand. Take the Father's hand. Receive his tender care. Jesus said this, pray, do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Jesus tells us to take the Father's hand, engaging in his protection from the evil one in the time of the blizzard and the storm. Because life will become, what, disorienting. And we live in a blizzard, but many of us aren't taking hold of the rope. Amen? And we just need to be honest 
Maybe you need a comeback in prayer during this transition time. I surely do. I could always use a little bit more prayer and a little bit less Joel in my life. Because that means more of Jesus and less of Joel. And that means Joel looks more like Jesus. Guess what you need? Less of Joel and more of Jesus. Amen? And I need that from you. I need that from you. And so we take his hand together and receive his tender care and receive his protection, receive his goodness. He keeps us from the storm. Will you take hold of that rope? Will you reach up for the rope and find the hand of God? And take hold of that hand. Dorothy Thrupp wrote it this way. Savior, like a shepherd, lead us. Much we need thy tender care. When God protects us from the evil one, he wraps us up in his arms and he protects us in his tender care. He uses his power, his might, his ability, the sacrifice of the cross. He, he brings all of that to bear on the evil one and his henchmen and he sends them scrambling as he puts his arms of tender care around us. And as we're reaching for his hand, he says, I've had my hand right down here all the time, child. Just waiting for you. Latch on. Take a hold of it. When I was in kindergarten, um, my dad, who was six foot four, 240 pounds, a steel worker, walked me to kindergarten uh, just about every day of kindergarten that I can remember. I didn't remember my dad being a soft guy or particularly, you know, a, a warm and fuzzy kind of guy. He was a big dude, steel worker, farmer, plumber, had to do a lot of work. But I remember when I was a little guy, him making me Campbell's soup, a toasted cheese sandwich, and walking me to kindergarten right down the street. We lived in row houses, and the, and the school was right down at the end. And I, I remember every day walking out of the house, and he would say, okay, Joel, just take my hand. And him just walking me down the street, and walking me to kindergarten, standing across the crosswalk where the crossing guard was, and just standing on the other side and letting me go across and just waving to me as I went. And then I remember it at the end of kindergarten, coming back out at the end of the day, and I'd walk back out, and there'd be Dad standing across the street. I thought he was there the whole time. I didn't know he went home and did a bunch of other stuff and packed his lunch and got ready to go work the evening shift at the Standard Steel. I just thought my dad was there all the time, amen? But when I took his hand, I felt the power of someone much bigger than me, someone who could protect me and take care of me, but someone who could also release me and empower me in life. That's the way it is when we take the Father's hand in prayer. We take his hand and we feel his tender care. But if you're like me, we forget. We forget that dad's there. He's waiting to walk us through the blizzards of life. He's there for us and we forget. In his book, A Praying Life, Paul Miller wrote this, if you're not praying, then you're quietly confident that time, money, and talent are all that you need in life. You always be a little too tired and a little too busy but if, like Jesus, you realize you can't do life on your own, then no matter how busy, no matter how tired you are, you'll find time to pray. 
Luke 5.16 says this, Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. Jesus often withdrew. You know why? Because he knew. He knew he needed to take the Father's hand in prayer. So he often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. Sometimes we stop praying. I do. We get lost in the blizzard of life. Amen. And we forget that we've got a good, good Father in heaven who's there fully prepared to guide us and protect us and lead us through. So if you feel like maybe you need a little resurgence in prayer this morning, listen to the words of this song this morning. It's written from the perspective of God singing it to us. Listen to these words this morning and let it encourage you to have a new day with prayer. I've got more dreams, I've got more plans. 
ask you just to please stand and open your hands like this. And I want us to read the Lord's Prayer together. Just soaking in it for a minute. We live in blizzard times. And we need to take hold of the rope. Amen? Take hold of his hand. Let's just go to that next slide and we'll just read this next two slides. Let's just read the prayer together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Joel, for that message. I'm encouraged that in the middle of a blizzard, we have a rope that we can hold on to in the Father. Well, hey, we're getting ready to move into